Welcome to Music Meditation. This is your brain on bass. The 40 hertz pitch figures prominently throughout this podcast series and can be heard in the opening gong, the background double bass immersion, and the exit music. More information can be found at www.musicmeditation.ca. This episode is called Asperger's and Music. Growing up, music was certainly an escape for me. At a very young age, it provided me a forum where I showed a little bit of promise and was able to be good at something. Plus, I was able to play normally with others without worrying about my stuttering. There's something that happens in the brain, perhaps rhythmicity, where auditory neurons align with motor neurons to restore a natural rhythm and flow to the body, that seems to remove stuttering from musical performance. I don't know why, but it works. The most significant escape in music for me was subliminal. It was a natural rush that took me many years to appreciate and understand. Tick disorder is characterized by twitches, movements, or sounds that people do repeatedly. It is a form of stimming or self-stimulation that supposedly satisfies some inner need. My very early musical training involved metronome scales in thirds, fourths, octaves, and and broken arpeggios of all kinds, woodshedded in all keys in sixteenth notes at 120 beats per minute. I started clarinet lessons at age 8, and by age 13 I had, shall we say, mastered my technical chops, an accomplishment that I felt comfortable referring to as the first 13 pages in Book 2 of the H. Close Clarinet Method. My teacher was a big guy named Ron, who didn't like me very much, and every lesson was a half hour of name-calling, like, Fathead, Clock Watcher, you're lazy, and yelling, Faster, again, again. But hey, I didn't mind because he was providing me a framework for endless hours of blissful stimming. To me, it was heaven. Notice that none of my early appreciation of music was derived from enjoyment. My lessons with Ron may have included pieces by Bach, Beethoven, or Brahms, although I doubt it, as lessons were structured, repetitive, and H-close-A based. But it probably would not have mattered anyway. I had no passion or interest in composers or pieces, and emotional and artistic buttons were simply not a factor in my early need for music. I recall, at a young age, watching the Benny Goodman story starring Steve Allen, and my main takeaway was not the style of music, Benny's rise to fame, or or the don't-be-that-way storyline. My only memory is a scene in his study and right there on his music stand was the H. Close method book. It was a thrill for me. The book Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell discusses how small advantages in skill set or market timing provide incrementally better opportunities. These small opportunities build exponentially over time as bigger and even better opportunities reveal themselves. My technique at age 13 made me an outlier, and it opened many doors musically for me that certainly, all factors considered, would not have been available. 
I was fortunate to play with some fine musicians, and as that peer group rose in musical standing, I learned through them to appreciate the artistic side of music. My love of patterns continued in my jazz studies, and in university I had the privilege of having a few saxophone lessons with the great Pat LaBarbera. He assigned me several jazz exercises, and my favorite was a five-note cycle of fifths pattern. It went C, F, B, flat, E, flat, A, flat, C, sharp, F, sharp, B, E, A, D, G, C, F, B, only a wind. There was a brilliant turnaround at the top, switching ascending to descending that worked through the palm keys on the sax. My efforts in circular breathing at the time meant that I could play it endlessly, without pause, without breaths, for hours at a time, which I did. Once again, I was in pattern heaven. I excitedly shared it with a few friends and was honestly dumbfounded when they did not appreciate the genius of this architectural gem. Now I understand why. For me, the power of my favorite pattern was in its repetitive performance and not in its five-note cycle of fifths design. Regarding performing, I have never enjoyed getting up in front of anyone to do anything. Performance was an unwanted yet seemingly necessary byproduct of the music industry, and it remains for me a truly other planet syndrome issue. My very talented siblings were always ready to perform on a moment's notice, and I am sure that my reluctance to engage seemed odd. I just don't understand why anyone would want to perform at all. Austrian pediatrician Hans Asperger identified in 1944 certain behavioral patterns in a group of children, and in 1994, 50 years later, Asperger syndrome was included for the first time as a diagnosis in DSM-4, that is, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, 4th edition. In 2013, DSM-5 was released, and Asperger syndrome was rolled into the broader classification of Autism Spectrum Disorder, or ASD, as part of the broad spectrum of autism-related characteristics. A fantastic book is Look Me in the Eye by John Elder Robison, in which he chronicles his life as an Asperger. The Look Me in the Eye title is based on a societal expectation for behavior. It is often wielded by individuals as a benchmark, however shallow, of trust and communication, and it is an activity that Asperger's find extremely difficult to do. Robison's book was a 2007 New York Times bestseller and is well worth a read. Asperger syndrome is a collection of behavioral traits that are hardwired into the brain. Each trait has the potential to be good or bad, and they simply are what they are. And there is no single personality footprint or situational predictor that covers everyone. Yes, we are all individuals. My musical experience is unique to me and may or may not provide any insight to anyone. Although I came to the understanding of my Asperger's late in life, it has provided me a lens to see my unusual musical experiences as profound gifts that I would not trade for anything.